Welcome or welcome back to The Bicultural Identity, a podcast created from the experiences unique to young Asians raised in a Western society. We're your hosts, Connie and Jenny. Our weekly episodes contain conversations around social issues, pop culture topics, and nostalgic childhood memories that are significant in our lives as second-gen Canadians. Hi, guys! We are back with another History Bite episode. <laughs> what kind of sound did you just make? <laughs> it's a heat wave. I can't think. I know. And like, I got not much sleep last night because I woke up to book my second dose vaccine appointment. Mm-hmm. Like I woke up super early. So there's that. I'm very brain dead right now. Super early as in what time? 7.30. <laughs> Please, that's a whole hour earlier than normal. <laughs> the perks of working from home. I know. I used to wake up at 6.30, no problem. Like what the heck is wrong with me now? Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyways. So because I'm so slow today, I'm very thankful that it's mostly Jenny leading this conversation today. So, yay. Very brave. <laughs> I don't trust myself with research. It's okay. I'm sure you did a good job. We can do a mini disclaimer that as educational as we want to be, we can't guarantee that we're like experts in this field, right? So, oh, yeah. So if there's yeah. small mistakes, then forgive us, please. Summarizing the History Bite series again is like, we're kind of just discussing this little points in history without going into too much detail because we are not historians. Um, <laughs> I was like not smart. Like, you know, I wasn't like that cool kid in like Quiz Bowl or like, you know, like the reach likes for of the that. Top. Like, reach, reach <laughs> for the top. Like those really cool trivia things where people just like can recite Wikipedia pages. Mm-hmm. I was not that person. Me neither. So but here we are talking about history. Yeah, so like if you're someone who knows everything, you're going to be severely disappointed by what we're covering. But our goal is to like explore little bits of history that everyone else doesn't really talk about here. Yeah, it's like... It puts things into perspective. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like history happened, not just here. Exactly. Wow, the world doesn't revolve around North America? Mm -hmm. Never knew that. So what are we... uh, What's the story we're talking about today, Connie? So we're talking about the VOC military campaigns in Indonesia. This is something I'm not very familiar with. Like I had to ask Jenny to give me a brief rundown before. So I'm very excited to learn alongside you guys. Mm -hmm. Maybe that like uh, the title means almost nothing because there's like, you know, um, there's like acronyms. Yeah. All that stuff. So I'll start off with like a really quick intro. Mm -hmm. So so VOC is actually a Dutch acronym. I will Ooh, not try to pronounce it. You should try it. to pronounce it. Oh. Uh, oh. I can't make those sounds. Um, <laughs> so in English, it translates to the Dutch East India Company, and it's called East India because it's like east of the Indian Ocean. Hmm. So it's like it originated from the Netherlands? Yeah. So it was the first, or it's coined as the first multinational corporation in the whole world. Whoa. Um, yeah, like, I don't know if it's exaggerated, but I saw a few articles that I didn't click on saying that they were actually technically richer than, like, Apple or Google or, like, any of the companies we know today. Mm. Wait, how far back in time was this? Um, so the military or, like, the VOC, like, colonization, quote-unquote, of <laughs> uh, Indonesia was from the 1600s to the 1800s. Oh. Yeah. So they were the big conglomerate of the time. Exactly. It's not... Exactly. Like, it can't be compared to modern capitalism. And, um, like, some people do, but there's, like, exceptions to that. We can talk about a little bit later. But basically, like, they were so powerful as a company that they were basically operating as, like, a government entity within 
the Netherlands, even though they had like a technical, you know, like actual government. Within the Netherlands or within Indonesia? Um, well, like technically the company is from like the Netherlands. and then Okay, so it was have... kind of like ruling the Netherlands itself too. Mm-hmm. I don't think they... I actually don't know if they did that because I'm focused on Indonesia for the research. Okay, okay. But it's more so like they had... As in like they have a military. They have like an army. Like they employ oh, people who like okay. do that kind of stuff. They actually had servants as well. Mm-hmm. So it was like a whole... Uh, you know like body of like govern okay. government basically sounds very powerful mm-hmm. and what they did was they like started a lot of wars they would actually like imprison and execute convicts they would negotiate treaties With what different countries reason? yeah and they would establish their own colonies so oh. it was like yeah it was a big company um and also like for a re like a big brief context setting so in this like history or piece of history they actually refer to most of the regions as the malay archipelago which is like a series of islands and like mm-hmm. different what do you even call them like indig- indigenous populations right. that lived on the islands that are now indonesia mm-hmm. so we're gonna refer to it as indonesia and then there are like a few key players in this i can't say their names so i'm just gonna put it on our show notes <laughs> you should um, try Jan Yan, Jan Yan, Peter Zun Cohen is one. Okay. And he was the first governor general of mm-hmm. uh, VOC in Indonesia. And then he had two important successors, which were Anthony Van Diemen and Joan, 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 Okay. Sounds legit. We have people who listen from that that area, right? Like uh-huh. um, the Nordic. They're gonna laugh at us. Yeah, I'm so sorry. So that's all the context they have. We have the companies. Oh, right. I'm still they following. Had governor generals, and then mm-hmm. they were in Indonesian indigenous areas. Okay. Okay. So how did it all get started? This whole thing revolves around spices. It started with Whoa. nutmeg, and then I think they got into like, oh my god, what is it called? starts with a c um coriander cloves Cloves. (laughs) yeah (laughs) close um and then i think there's like some cinnamon and like something else anyway so um they were interested in going for the nutmeg at first and at the time like i think most people know that portugal was the first one to land in that area right oh yeah yes no i think i knew that little refresher of history Mm -hmm. um so they actually like voc i'm just gonna refer to refer to them as voc why does it remind me of aoc but (laughs) it does that's (laughs) insulting um okay i'm so sorry aoc you're so cool um so basically like they had a huge advantage because they came with all the european like weaponry military Mm -hmm. technology so all these indonesian um indigenous like populations were just not ready to handle things obviously Mm -hmm. as history tends to show yes (laughs) yes so they actually started within like these specific islands again i won't get into details because we're not here to confuse everyone Mm -hmm. but they actually really really easily conquered the portuguese ports and then um at one point they also cornered the british into like one factory or something oh dang so yeah and there was one place within these islands called Java that actually, like, held up. And okay. it took them a while to, like, you know, relinquish control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, actually, do you know what a... Maybe we can start with this. Do you know what a monopoly is, Connie? <laughs> okay. Is this, like, a business term, kind of? I think it's, like, an econ term. 
okay yeah i don't know too well what it is but like is it when one entity like one company kind of possesses like all the supply for something i don't mm-hmm. know Exactly. Think about the board game, right? You want to buy all the properties. I hope I didn't sound dumb. Um, No, it's it's basically that. Like when you control everything, you can control prices and like all that Uh stuff. So that's what they were trying to do because spices were getting more and more, like they were getting cheaper on the open market Mm -hmm. because there's like a lot of supply and a lot of demand, et cetera, et cetera. It just became like a normal good. And this company, VOC, was like, wait, we want to make money off of this. How do we get everyone to stop selling other than us, right? So they um, own all the nutmeg, basically. Yeah, so they went to all these indigenous populations that harvest those spices. And oh, no. uh, they actually, like, kind of tricked them. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> As history repeats itself. Mm-hmm. Um, they had them sign, like, contracts slash treaties, whatever. And on those treaties, there were terms that they it was impossible for these people to meet. Yeah. So then... As a result, they ended up like as different penalties in the contracts and like et cetera, et cetera. They mm-hmm. ended up like owning their whole supply. Like they could only, wow. you know, like they could only supply to VOC, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think the interesting thing to note here too is that it's more dangerous when it's a company because there's a really good video that I'll link on our show notes and I didn't mm-hmm. realize when I clicked on it, but it's John Green. Um, oh. And he talks about the VOC. Very great video. Like, go watch it. Better than us. Was it a TikTok? <laughs> no, I just YouTube, think of, YouTube. Oh, that's Hank Green. That's always yeah. on TikTok, though. <laughs> Wrong one. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, like, basically, he talks about how it's so much more dangerous when it's a company because at least governments are either, you know, like, they're either held accountable by their population or if they're, mm-hmm. like, you know, if they're more authoritarian, they're still scared of their people because you can get overthrown if they're not happy. Yes. Versus, yeah. like, a company a with... revolution. Yeah, a company with money can just come in and, like, take over. Mm-hmm. That is what penalty, very horrifying. Right? That's why sometimes living in our capitalist society now, it's kind of, like, concerning when, like, huge, huge, rich companies, like, mm-hmm. own most of our economy. Yeah. And it's like they're controlling our government a lot too. So I don't know if we're exactly free from that. You know, what nothing I mean? like our man Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. <laughs> so okay, so back on track. Basically, like they came in and they signed all these different things and they forced all these people to like only supply to them. And like the thing that yes. you can do with monopolies is like you know you can pay them almost like nothing and then you can sell it for a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's not fun. Um, mm-hmm. and the notoriously like one of these governor generals I can't remember I'm gonna slander someone but I'm pretty sure it was Jan Peter <laughs> Soon Cohen or whatever was like obsessed with war so like he there's like records of letters of him just like writing back to the government of Netherlands just being like yeah like the only way I can do this is if I start war so wow <laughs> fun stuff I didn't want to focus too much on the actual occupation portion sure um I think, like, it's really interesting to talk about the impacts, right? Right. On Indonesia, right? Yes, exactly. Two different sides. One that's much more popular to talk about, which is, I think, from, like, the... I don't want to call it the victim, but, like, the victim gaze. You know, like, when we talk about colonization, we always talk about, like, oh, like, this is what happened that was negative, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then there's a second one I found. Not sure how legitimate, but it was kind of interesting on looking at the other side of, like, how uh, how Indonesia influenced their culture. So, oh, yeah, interesting. So I thought that was interesting. I'll start with the standard view first, which sure. is, yeah, which is like um, the governors were really like 
they really wanted to introduce like Dutch language, um, schools, churches operated by the company um, Mm -hmm. to Indonesia, obviously, where they mostly spoke at the time Portuguese and Malay people who had their own dominant languages. Mm -hmm. So they actually like created certain restrictions on like they wouldn't hire people who were not like straight from Europe, like not a fob, you know, like fresh off the boat from (laughs) Europe. Yeah. So that like that's what they did. Like they made sure their servants were had to be European and they had to uh-huh. speak like the European tongue basically, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that like created a lot of limitations that they thought would help because then anyone who was like um there for multi-generations would need to like not what do you even call it again? Like not immerse yourself in the society. There's a real term for that, Connie. Oh, assimilate. Yes. Exactly. Um, Helped you out there. mm -hmm, Thank you. So obviously that was a whole thing, like typical colonization. They just wanted to control Mm -hmm. everything. Um, But then on the other side, it was interesting because Indonesia or the Malay um, archipelago had a very, very strong culture that they couldn't actually break down that well. So it's like estimated that during those years of occupation from like the, the 200 years, they had sent over 1 million employees, right? Okay. And if you think about it, a lot of them are single men. <laughs> Apparently, yes. only one third of them returned to Europe. I, I hope it's not what I'm thinking where like they found um, Southeast Asian women exotic yeah. and beautiful <laughs> and they all wifed them up. Well, they basically did that. But also the thing about <laughs> Indonesian culture and like a lot of, I think a lot of Southeast Asian cultures is that the matriarchy is very strong. You're right. I have so, noticed that. Yeah. So like... When that happened, they actually had to marry themselves into the Oh, that's clans. interesting. Like, yeah, the women didn't leave with them. Mm-hmm. Basically, as the generations went on and, like, there was more of this mixing, the established people and, like, the people with status and mm-hmm. with, like, good connections were those families. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, the governor generals were kind of, like... Um, apparently even the governor generals would marry into clans. Like, and so, like, there was, like, a lot of concern over reverse like more assimilation versus colonization oh so the indonesians like might have had more influence on the the dutch people like yeah like culturally wise that's what that's Uh what some like one website said and that's well you know it's because they have more culture (laughs) no wow i mean i take that back that was my personal opinion (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so I think that was an interesting idea to explore that they kind of went to this country and they obviously like killed many, 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 many people. And they obviously like created like lasting impacts, but Mm -hmm. um, it still built like Indonesia today, which is like pretty balanced or like, you know, they still have some of their own elements there versus when I think about, yeah, when I think about like Canada, our indigenous people kind of got wrecked. Very much so, and not to make it depressing, but the recent findings of, like, mass graves mm-hmm. near residential schools from the past yeah. is just so heartbreaking. Yeah. And, like, we all knew it was happening. Yes. But just to, like, put it into perspective was so heart-wrenching. Yeah. And then 100% happened in Indonesia, Indonesia too. They also, uh-huh. like, didn't get a break. We're not focusing on that part of history, but, like, you know, like, the British came in right after, like, it's just okay. not a good... Like, just rep- repetitive colonization, so, basically. This might be, like, a stupid question, but if you go to, like, Indonesia, are there a lot of, like, people with, like, mixed races? 
But then again, like, it's from so long ago that, like, it's probably, like, not noticeable. Yeah, exactly. Like, not to change the subject, but <laughs> I used to complain that, like, I have more body hair than some Asians to my mom. And she's like, oh, it's assumed that, like, there's some Turkish blood in our, like, ancestry or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, whoa. Like, obviously, we still look 100% Chinese, but yeah. there's so many, like, possibilities. I want to go do my 23andMe. Is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> just to see that'd be really funny but yeah like if you think about it it's obviously like it wasn't a lasting impact on like culture per se because they obviously came in with churches like you Mm -hmm. know um catholicism or christianity or whatever sorry not whatever one of those (laughs) and then oh no like if you think about indonesia is one of the most uh dominant muslim societies now you're right yeah so a lot changed Mm -hmm. um History, whatever, like, I'm not going to debate, like, (laughs) colonization and, like, you know, the good, the bad, stuff like that. But, yeah, basically, like, uh, if you think about it that way, the the interesting thing to talk about here is that uh, a company with full military, like, ammunition and armies came in, invaded a country, took all their stuff, and then left a bunch of people (laughs) there. That's the summary. Nice summary. <laughs> yeah. But it's kind of interesting to think about how they were once occupied by a country or mm-hmm. by a company. By a company. Yeah. Yeah. And wait, did you um, mention that there were several other like islands that were occupied though? Or was it, it just Indonesia? Yeah, like that's a really valid question. My answer to that is Indonesia is a series of islands. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. It's like it just happens to be Indonesia of today. Yeah, exactly. They they did branch out like for example, they had a large portion of like basically at the time they created a port. We're getting technical now, right. but they had a port and everything from like Japan and China were coming through there to India and like they were just like the cent- central like hub, which is mm-hmm. why I said in the beginning too that they had like the power to create treaties. So um, they really established themselves in a situation where they were trying to define trade in all of like that Asian area. Mm -hmm. And that actually caused VOC to have a lot of conflicts with the neighboring countries too later. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, once again, like you might not have the answer to this or it might just be a dumb question on my part, but why Indonesia? Like, I always wondered what goes through like these colonizers' brains back then. Do they just get on their boat and go wherever the waters lead them? Like <laughs> to answer understand. that, quite honestly, I think it was partly like I'm guessing there's a lot of factors. My assumption is that it might have been like like an optimal target, right? With like maybe like weaker military or like uh, weaponry. But also I as I said in the beginning nutmeg mm-hmm. it was all for nutmeg oh yeah nutmeg is like a bus and spice though mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that the right use of bus it is bussin okay <laughs> sheesh <laughs> nope nope no why not <laughs> it was very i'm sorry i told a very messy story i thought it was pretty clear there's and definitely you summarized it well. if you're interested this was like a teaser you can go do your own research mm-hmm. um, but how this all ended how about that um, yes yes this all ended because turns out um colonizing entire countries with militaries is very expensive and more expensive right. than it costs to maintain a monopoly over spices so VOC <laughs> went bankrupt wow yeah and they were asking for it right before the 1800s like 17 like 90 something they went bankrupt oh and so then, they lasted like over a century yeah like 200 years 
ish yeah so um they went bankrupt and then they got nationalized so that's when like the company gets absorbed um Uh into like the dutch government and then that started a whole other period of history we're not talking about today which is called the dutch east indies um which became a colonial state so the dutch still kept the place for a bit i'm just wondering i know you mentioned that the impacts of colonization aren't like as strong maybe but like can you see any of them today it's a hundred percent still strong like um i think i just like play the two sides but Uh it still very much influenced them and i think that um i saw a youtube video which if i'll find it again i'll link it but there are like you can still see signs of it in jakarta like when you go and Mm -hmm. like like, what like architecture or um, to answer that question actually this was in a a brief little piece of research i did and mm-hmm. J- like in Jakarta, in Indonesia today, they have the Jakarta History Museum. Ooh, and okay. Yeah, the building used for the History Museum is the same building that VOC had built at the time to be their administrative headquarters. I so see. like, okay. yeah, there's still a lot of influence. And I think when VOC first got there, like to the Jakarta regions, they mm-hmm. actually like destroyed the whole place. But I'm not sure. I cannot confirm. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I saw that a little bit but okay mm-hmm. lots but for what sure, about like culture wise i i couldn't tell you maybe we need okay. an indonesian friend to tell us okay yeah mm-hmm. that would probably be best let's not speak for them like yeah for southeast asia i think i mostly know like portugal britain mm-hmm. i like somehow like i always skipped over this like company colonization bit so like, yeah it's very like it's not as well known yeah as like what you're saying like portugal and everything but Wow, like I feel like I learned a lot today. So funny cool. how you ask about the lasting impacts of VOC though, because my most fun fact of today mm-hmm. is that VOC created New York City. Excuse me? Like, my favorite city in America? <laughs> they like that was their port. Like they went and like they made it a port. Like um, this was when Britain was also like involved and VOC like owned the New York port. Um, and Whoa. the best fact of all is that Wall Street is called Wall Street because VOC had built a wall on that street oh. to keep out the British and like the pirates from the oceans. Whoa. Yeah. I had no idea. Like mm-hmm. I didn't know Wall Street, like that name dated back to the 1600s. Yeah. Legit. What so, the heck? All very interesting stuff. We're not focused on VOC. You could go into so much more depth about this con- company because they were insane. But we just talk about one small piece of their influence in Indonesia today. Mm-hmm. I wonder what else they like sold. I know they like concentrate a lot on spices and like militias. Yeah, like they basically, it's kind of a throwback, right? So they um, traded a lot of things like textiles. They had, mm-hmm. oh, I think pepper was the other spice they were going for. Um, mm-hmm. They had yarn cinnamon cardamom gems right you mentioned that all that gems okay yeah uh so it is like 10 cent of the olden days like (laughs) they did a little bit of everything but with like materials from back then it's literally like like how my brain back then like it's like how my brain visualizes trade yeah (laughs) i'll give you two two cotton for one cinnamon Yeah. Uh, that's hilarious. Or not really. It's colonization. <laughs> not good at all. But it, I guess it, it made the world our, what it is today. Exactly. It's how the world was built. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we ready for my recommendation? 
Yeah, I guess we can move on to recommendation, but thank you, Jenny, for giving us a huge history lesson. Like so messy. No, it wasn't. I think it was mostly my fault. Like all I can contribute is asking a lot of questions, like and probably really dumbed down questions because I'm not like a history expert. If history just people like, are still uh, listening, history buffs, I think that's what they're called. If they're still listening to this, I am so sorry. We just did apologize. like a Coles notes of Coles notes. <laughs> Sparks notes of Sparks notes. Is <laughs> good, is good. I learned so much. Yay. Okay, yeah, go back to your recommendation. Okay. Connie's gonna laugh at me. My recommendation is like it's from uh the Western Society, but it is the Netflix show Shadow and Bone. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I laugh at you? I like it. <laughs> okay. I am such like a fan of YA novels. I can read one in a day. Like if you see my Goodreads, I have like a reading goal and then it'll be me like every three months finishing a nonfiction book and in between reading like 20 <laughs> YAs or something. Um, I think I checked like a quarter way into 2021 and it said you were like 12 books above your reading goal already. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, Jenny, this is insane. I am now only one book ahead because I got stuck on a nonfiction book. Oh no. Yeah. So this is why you just give them up. <laughs> yeah. So so basically, like it is a why it's based off a YA trilogy and a duology um, called. So there's Shadow and Bones, and then there's Six of Crows. Six of Crows is much mm-hmm. more famous. I've been yes, dying I've to read it. it. Yeah. So um, it follows. Actually, like the reason why I recommend it is because the lead is actually a half Chinese girl, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of like diversity in the casting, and like I don't know, it makes me kind of like emotional when I think about it but not like overly emotional but like uh, I read like YA for so long and then the first proper visualization I see of like these YA series is, is like with a lot of representation mm-hmm. and I just really like I feel that. the same way mm-hmm. yeah me too and she does a really good job yeah it's a very diverse cast like mm-hmm. there's people of all races and like I think they're mostly all British so it's like representative of the population today yeah there, exactly I yeah I, I really enjoy it. Um, I just enjoy seeing a visualization of like things I've been reading since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and the protagonist kind of looks more like me than any other protagonist has. So like, I'll take it. So um, it's just nice to see. It's a good plot. Like, I think they adapted it very, very well by merging the two series because there's a lot, it's a lot more fast paced that way. Mm-hmm. And I read... After watching the first four episodes, I read the first book in a day, um, and I will keep going. A day? So it was only, like, it was really short, so. I mean, I'm watching it with Jenny right now, and it is very engaging. It took me an episode or two to get into, but I'm invested now. Mm-hmm. Watch it, Shadow and Bone. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us on a history lesson today. <laughs> I love how I started the episode with ho, 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 and now I'm hee, hee, hee. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion on this week's topic. To hear more, you can subscribe to The Bicultural Identity on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. While you're at it, we'd also greatly appreciate any reviews on iTunes or simply sharing our podcast with your family and friends. But of course, no pressure. As well, any opinions and experiences discussed are solely based on our own experiences as second gens. We invite you to engage with us on our Instagram, at the Bicultural Identity, where you can also find the link to our website with our show notes. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to tune in next Monday for our next episode. See you then!